If I am absolutely honest, I super dislike this text. I'm never excited when it comes up on my lectionary Sunday, and this week was no different for me. Today's gospel reading brings up so many more questions than answers, and I have a hard time with texts that do this. As you listened to Pastor Chad read the gospel, maybe you had some of the same questions I did. Why does Jesus ignore this woman? Why, when he finally stops ignoring her, does he call her a dog? Why does he relent? Also, what is the point of this story? It certainly doesn't paint Jesus or his disciples in the best light. And I struggle with any text that makes Jesus seem less like Jesus. I have a hard time thinking of Jesus being unkind or even unloving. And I'm not really sure what to do with that, if I'm honest. This story, this interaction between Jesus and the woman from Tyre, shows up in Mark and Matthew's Gospels both. Which also could bring up the question, why not Luke and John? Which is worth mentioning that maybe they decided it wasn't a story they wanted to include. I have some opinions about that, if I'm honest. No matter which version you read, though, of Mark or of Matthew, this story inevitably brings up questions about Jesus. And that's hard. Because truly, I would prefer to be pretty secure in my ideas about Jesus. I think most of us would agree with that. Not knowing is unsettling. And when we don't know or we can't make a story like this jive with what we do know about Jesus, then we might be more like Luke and kind of throw it out. Or we might be like many religious leaders and try to lighten the language by saying, you know what, it's, it's more like puppy instead of dog. That's what Jesus says. You know, so since puppies are adorable, it's like cute instead of mean. So then the question is, is Jesus being mean here? Can he be mean? That seems wrong, right? Is he using this woman as an example to speak out loud what the crowd is already thinking about her anyway? I mean, maybe. But using a desperate woman begging for help as a prop or an object lesson doesn't really sit well with me either. Does he just not know better? None of these answers feel comfortable to me, if I'm honest. But I'm going to lean into that last one just a little bit today. Jesus is sent to earth for a purpose. He names that purpose in front of us in the scripture today, to rescue the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It makes sense that this is the explanation Matthew gives in Matthew's gospel, for it is a gospel written by a Jewish author to a Jewish audience. And yet, throughout his ministry in the world, Jesus continually widens that scope to include more and more and more people. Now, we could say that inclusion was the plan all along, or we can say that maybe the more people Jesus meets, the more people Jesus includes. Maybe in the great mystery of things I will never understand, it is both. So this leads me to the question that has been plaguing me all week long, and that is, what if Jesus met this woman and she changed him? Is that possible? 
Jesus, we hear over and over again, is fully human and fully divine, which is a paradox that is pretty hard to understand as we are just human. Now, I don't know if Jesus came out of the womb knowing all, but I'm guessing he didn't. He still had to learn to walk and to read and to build things with his dad. And with each experience, he became more human, more like us. I mean, I learned how to walk. I learned how to read. I learned how to build things with my dad. And then there are plenty of times, multiple times throughout the whole of Scripture where God changes God's mind. God is not immovable or unchangeable, so why would Jesus be? See, there are so many questions because of this one little text. Author Sarah Bessie talked about this story, this interaction between Jesus and the Canaanite woman in a column she wrote a few years ago called Penny in the Air. And she asked the same basic question about Jesus being changed. She said, Perhaps Jesus was taught by this woman. Perhaps we are witnesses to his growth. Perhaps he was deeply struggling with his Jewish identity and the attitude that Gentiles were, in fact, dogs, that they weren't in on it. Perhaps he had been conditioned to ignore or disdain people like her. Perhaps it was because she was a woman or maybe her cultural identity or her race. After all, Jesus was as fully human as he was God, so perhaps he had the capacity to be challenged on his cultural prejudices and then to grow and realize his mistake. In Mark's gospel, this is Jesus' first conversation with a Gentile. And it wouldn't be his last, but never again would Jesus treat a Gentile the way he initially treated this woman. As Austin Steelman writes in the Harvard Ichthys, Jesus shows us in this story that inheriting bias is inevitable, but holding on to it is a choice. However we interpret this story or try to explain it, this woman shows up in the Gospels twice with her determined love for her daughter and her quick wit and her faith in Jesus and her belief that she belongs in the room even if she can't be at the table. She also shows us that even the ones who should know this have to be reminded now and then. So Jesus, in all his humanity, needs to be taught something. How does that Sit with you. I'll be honest, it's a struggle for me. I struggled this week with this gospel. I struggled to think of the Son of God getting something wrong. That the Son of God might be wrong. I mean, we don't really like to mess with the divinity of Jesus, do we? It's just not done. And maybe this is all heresy and I'm going to get called before a theological review panel in the future, but I have to ask, what might it mean that God can be changed? What might it mean that it is God's experience of being human, of meeting people and learning about people, that changes God? That it is not some knowledge about sick children in the world that changed Jesus, but meeting a mom of a sick kid expanded his ideas about who he could be for. As my friend and colleague Kat reminded me this week, just because Jesus is divine, Natalia, doesn't mean he doesn't have things to learn. I do like this. 
hesitantly like this. I do like that it feels so relatable and so human. I mean, I am changed by meeting people all the time. How lovely is it that God might be the same way? That God is not some immovable force, but that God can change God's mind about anything and anyone. That just as I am learning and growing, so too did God learn and grow. That just as I used to think people who were inside looked just like me, Jesus maybe thought the same thing. He wasn't supposed to be here for a foreign woman with sick kid, but that's just because he'd never met one before. And he healed her daughter, not because she bugged him until he got annoyed, but because coming face to face with people who you had always considered to be outside of your scope or not your problem or not your people, it changes you. What if that's how God is because that's how we are? And what if that's how we are because that's how God is? And this woman, let's talk about her for a minute, shall we? She challenges Jesus, the Son of God. He insults her, and yes, it's an insult. And she does not cower or back down. She's a mama bear after all, and not even Jesus can stand between a mom and her kid. She says, you know, I'm not asking for a full meal here, Jesus. I'll take just a crumb. Now, if you've been joining us online or in person the past month or so, we have had parable upon parable upon parable about how the smallest thing God can use to make huge things with. We have heard this over and over again. The disciples have heard this. The insiders have heard this. This outsider across the lake in a different part who has not met Jesus has not heard a single one of these stories, and she is the one that gets it. She knows a crumb is enough. I love her. I love her persistence in this moment. There is something very compelling to me, not surprisingly, about this woman standing up for herself and for her daughter, even after she is called at the very best and still very condescendingly a puppy. I've been called similar things. It happens when you are a woman who knows her mind and speaks it. I've been called words that would make some of you blush and are definitely not church appropriate, and I've been dismissed with little more than a metaphorical pat on the head and sent on my little lady way. It's fitting, then, and should not be ignored, that this particular story of this woman who didn't back down and who taught Jesus something comes up on this year. On the 50th anniversary of the ordination of women in the ELCA, on the 40th anniversary of the ordination of black women in the ELCA, on the 10th anniversary of the ordination of our queer siblings in the ELCA, and the week of the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, which gave white women the right to vote. Oh, persistence matters. We hold the disciples in such high regard but we hear Jesus call them men of little faith week after week. And to this one single, persistent, Gentile woman, he says, O oh, you of great faith. 
Persistence is a characteristic of faith. And persistence changes history. Because this one unnamed outsider had the gall to push back, to tell Jesus to widen his scope, to include her. And the most important part is that he does. He heals her daughter. He calls her faith great. And she is included in this great story of the good news of Jesus because she's persistent. She will not let Jesus be anything less than he said he is the savior of the world. Not his world, not our world, but the world. When we gather around the font, like we will with Crosby in just a little bit, we are celebrating our shared persistence and our shared willingness to be changed by the ever-widening love God has for us all. To be named and claimed means you are loved, but you are also now a part of the work that God is doing all around you. It's why we say the words, we welcome you into the mission we share, to each baptized person. It means that just as Jesus is changed by each and every person he meets, so am I, and so are you, and so are all of us. And sometimes... When we get it wrong, and we will, and we do, some persistent outsider is going to get through to us. Someone who we had always assumed was less than or unworthy is not going to let us ignore them any longer. And we will be changed, and the table will get bigger, and our world will be better. Because a world in which more places are added to the table is the kind of world God has always envisioned for God's people. And that is good news indeed. Today we get to see, in real time, we're going to see it all together, God widen the table by one. We'll make room for Crosby by way of the waters of baptism. And we look forward to seeing what God does with him, just as we look forward to seeing what God does with all of us. This is the gift of a God who is changing and learning and ever widening the table. So let us watch it happen in real time. Amen.